Welcome to the Word Encounter, episode 198. Currently in the book of Luke. Uh, we finished chapter 2 yesterday. Let's get started in chapter 3. Title says, The Messiah's Herald. So this is talking about John. In verse 3 it says, He went into all the vicinity of the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. And so John is out in the wilderness uh, doing his ministry, which is proclaiming the way of the Lord uh, to get everybody's attention, to announce that the Lord is about to arrive. And he was certainly getting people's attention. In verse 7, he said, uh, he then said to the crowds who came out to be baptized by him, brood of vipers. <laughs> That's kind of harsh, isn't it, right? People coming out to see you, to hear you preach what you have to say. And he says, brood of vipers. Well, he wasn't just saying this to the common people. It was some of the people that were in the crowd that he was actually talking to. He says, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore, produce fruit consistent with repentance. And so, you know, John is telling the people that, you know, it's one thing uh, to repent, you know, but repentance has a couple of parts. You know, first, when you when you repent, most people think of repentance as just um, uh, apologizing or, or being sorry uh, for something that you have done. That's part of it. But the bigger part of it is after you admit in your wrongdoings and whatnot, to turn from those ways, see, and to do them no more. So to turn from wickedness and to turn, in fact, to righteousness and to change your behavior. In other words, to produce fruit that's consistent with what, you're, with what you said, to produce fruit that's consistent with repentance. See, this is true repentance, not just speaking words, but turning from those things. This is therefore produce fruit consistent with repentance. And don't start saying to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God is able to rise up children for Abraham from these stones. And so John is telling them, don't think that because of your lineage, that because of your heritage, see, don't think that this is going to save you. Don't think that you say, well, you know, we're from Abraham and, 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 and Abraham was God's chosen man. Don't think that that's going to do anything for you. Because, you know, John is saying that the Lord can raise up folks from these stones that will be obedient, uh, obedient to him. This says in verse nine, the ax is already at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good, good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. You see, so if you just if you just make empty repentance and you don't change from your ways, the word that John is telling his people, and it still exists today, the axe is at the root, baby. <laughs> you know, if no good food is, uh, fruit is produced, then that tree will be cut down. Verse 10. What then should we do? The crowds were asking him. He replied to them, the one who has two shirts must share with someone who has none. And the one who has food must do the same. See, and so John is telling the people, look, you cannot be stingy, okay, with your provision. You have to watch out for your brother. See, if you want to have true repentance, and I'm going to make a somewhat political statement here. All of this stuff, the what, what God weighs is from your heart, 
This isn't something that the government can impose on people. You see, because when you're under government imposition in order to do things, that goes as no credit to you because you're being forced. You see, the things of God are matters of the heart. And so it's not what the government, you know, forces people to, to do through taxation and, 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 and the government trying to spread the wealth and this, that, and other. That's nothing in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, you have a choice. The Lord gives you a choice. He's looking to see what you're going to do with your choice. You know, do I share my wealth or not? See, if you're being forced to, then it doesn't count as credit to you because you're being forced to. The issue is what do you do on your own? The issue is will you allow that fruit to be manifested through you? In verse 12, it says, tax, uh, tax collectors also came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He told them, Don't collect any more than what you have been authorized. So he told them, Don't be crooks. You've been authorized to take a certain amount. Don't take any additional and pocket it. Be a person of integrity. Verse 14, some soldiers also questioned him, What should we do? He said to them, don't take money from anyone by force or false accusation and be satisfied with your wages. <laughs> so he, he, He's telling them, you know, don't embezzle from people. Don't take things that you don't deserve. Don't uh, falsely accuse somebody of something so that you can take their possessions. Just be satisfied with your wages. Be honest. Now, if you notice, all of these things that people are asking and all of these things that John are, is advising at the root of it has to do with money. You see, when it says, if you have two shirts and uh, your brother has none, give him one, that has to do with resources. That has to do with money. You see, when the soldiers are talking about what should we do, and, and, and John is telling them plainly, don't take money that, uh, that, that's not yours, that you don't deserve. You know, and so when, when he's talking to the tax collectors, he's saying, look, don't take money that's not you, that you haven't been authorized to take. All of this has to do with our resources. Verse 16, John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but, with water, but one who is more powerful than I am is coming. I, will not, uh, I am not worthy to untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Verse 17, his winnowing shovel is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but the shaft will be burned uh, with fire with a fire that never goes out. So John is saying, look, he's coming to divide. He's coming to separate. He's coming to, to claim those who are his, to gather them into his storehouse, into his barn. But to those who are not his, he is going to push them over, see, and they will burn with a fire that never goes out. So he says that Jesus is coming to separate. Verse 19, but when John rebuked Herod, so in, in, his, uh, in his pronouncements in the, you know, out in the wilderness, he, he was also rebuking Herod. He says, uh, when John rebuked Herod, uh, the Tetrarch, uh, because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the evil things he had done, uh, Herod added this to everything else. He locked John up in prison. So he imprisoned John because John was talking about him. The baptism of Jesus. Now we covered this. In Matthew uh, chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, in episode 178, 
uh, on the key verses here in verse 22. And the Holy Spirit de- uh, descended on him uh, in physical appearance like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. And so Jesus came to be baptized by John. Uh, the accounting isn't here, but John is, is, is asking Jesus, why are you coming to me? But Jesus has to, to, to fulfill the word. And so that's what he does. And when he comes out of the water after being baptized, then a, um, a dove, a dove-like thing, because it says its appearance was like a dove, descended in a voice. I'm assuming it was a, the booming voice of God. I don't know. It says, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. And this was done in public in front of other people. The genealogy of Jesus, we see in verse 23, and this is the genealogy from Joseph all the way back to, to Adam, because it was important uh, for, um, for people to know um, uh, the lineage of, of the Messiah because the, of what the word has said about this person so that they could trace it all the way back uh, to Adam. And that is what was done through the rest of the chapter. Let's go on to chapter four. And it says the temptation of Jesus. And in Matthew four, Chapter 4, verses 1 through 17. In Word Account, episode 179, we covered this. And so the key verse here says, Jesus left, uh, Then Jesus left the Jordan full of the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness in order to be tempted by the enemy. And so Jesus is led into the, uh, into the wilderness. He's tempted by the enemy. He's telling them, you know, Satan is telling him he's going to do all of this stuff for Jesus if he would only bow to him. Jesus never did it. And the key thing here, in my opinion, is that the Lord led Jesus into the wilderness. See, the enemy didn't do this. God led him into the wilderness so that he could be tempted, uh, so that when he would come out, he would be full of power. You see, and so a lot of times we don't want to go through things. Matter of fact, we never want to really go through things because we don't see what's waiting for us on the other side of the obstacle. And many times on the other side of the obstacle, what's waiting for us is more power, more authority, more effectiveness because we've been through the fire. See, the fire has a tendency to refine and strengthen, but we don't like going through it because when we're going through it, it is very unpleasant. Next section in verse 14 says ministry in Galilee. And, um, we went through this Matthew chapter 4, verse uh, 12 through 17 in episode 179. And so there's more detail in these scriptures in Matthew. Uh, the key verse here is verse 15. It says, he was teaching in their synagogues, uh, being praised by everyone. And so when Jesus would, would, would go out and, and, and preach and whatnot, typically a response would be awe and praise from the people because they had never heard anything like this and with, with authority and power. But those same people would also turn on them later on. Rejection at Nazareth. So we see uh, that in Matthew chapter 13, uh, verses 53 through 58, and in Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, uh, in episode 183, we covered this. But there's much more detail here. So we're going to cover this here, rejection at Nazareth. It says, uh, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. As usual, he entered the synagogue uh, on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. 
And unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the free, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Yes, Lord, amen. Verse 20, then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. He began by saying to them, today, as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. They were all speaking well of him. <laughs> they were all speaking well of him at this time, I might add. And were amazed by the gracious words that came from his mouth. Yet they said, isn't this Joseph's son? And so it says that they were all um, speaking well of him and were amazed by his words and whatnot. But they were saying, isn't this Joseph's son? Who, who is he? Who does he think that, I mean... He isn't all that. <laughs> you know? So this was, go this was the, the murmuring that was going on, even though they were amazed and speaking well of him, you know, in, 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 in public in front of everybody. The backbiting and whatnot was going on. In verse 23, he says, uh, then he said to them, no doubt you will, quote, you will quote this proverb to me. Doctor, heal yourself. What we've heard took place in Capernaum, do here in your hometown also. So Jesus is saying, no doubt you're going to make this quote, doctor, heal thyself, meaning you're from here, so do here what you did elsewhere. You know, they said, what, we, what we've heard is cool and all, but we haven't seen anything that you've done here. Then in verse 24, he also said, truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his, own, in his hometown. So he's going on to kind of explain to them why the miraculous works and signs have been performed elsewhere, but not here. But I say to you, there were certainly many widows in Israel in Elijah's day uh, when the sky was shut up for three years and six months while the great famine came over all the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them except the widow at uh, Zarephath in Sidon. See? So Jesus is saying, look, there was a time back in history when there was a famine going on and are all kind of, uh, you know, uh, Israelite families and whatnot suffering in the, in the famine, yet Elijah didn't go to them. He was not sent to them. He was sent to a widow in Sidon. He was sent to a non-Israelite woman. <clears throat> and he was sent to her because her son was dying and and so he was sent there because they were uh, starving and he said go get some flour go get some bread she, she said we don't have any bread he said that's all right go get some flour and so get a jar and so the flour kept coming and and whatnot and the bread kept being made even though they didn't have anything and then later on the boy was dying and she went to get elijah and elijah came saw that he was dead laid on top of him and breathed life uh, breathed breath back into him uh, life back into the boy and the boy started to live so so elijah was performing miracles with this non-israelite woman although there was massive suffering going on in israel so jesus is telling the people he says elijah had to go outside of the family so to speak in order to perform miracles because of their unbelief that was taking place at home. And then he goes on with another example. He says in verse 27, 
And in the prophet Elisha's time, there were many in Israel who had leprosy, and yet not one of them was cleansed, uh, was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So Naaman was a, he was a, he was a, a, a Aram a commander, the commander of the, the king's army, and he had leprosy. See, and so he went to Elisha. Elisha took him to the river. He was kind of indignant about it. Why do I need to dip in the Jordan when I, when we have rivers in Damascus? What's so special about this? So he dipped him in the waters, and he came out, and he didn't have any leprosy left. See? So he performed this miracle with a non-Israelite because of the wickedness and evil that was going on with the uh, Israeli men. So, so Jesus is, is educating them on, on why sometimes these miracles are not performed at home, but they're performed elsewhere. Verse 28, when they heard this, everyone in the synagogue was enraged. <laughs> they got up, drove him out of town, and brought him to the edge of the hill uh, that their town was built on, intended to hurl him over the cliff. But he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. So they wanted to kill him because he told them the reason that you get relatively few miracles is because you don't believe, because you're unfaithful. They didn't like it. They wanted to kill him. Driving out unclean spirits. In Mark uh, chapter 1, verses 21 through 28, in episode 192, we covered this. Uh, the key verses I've got here are 34 and 35. Leave us alone. These are the unclean spirits. What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Uh, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked them and said, Be silent and come out of him. And throwing him down before them, the demons came out of him without hurting him at all. So we see here that the demons you know, obeyed Jesus. They called him out. They recognized him. What are you, what are you going to do before he did anything? What are you going to do to us? Are you going to hurt us? You know, <laughs> what, leave us alone. What do you have to do with us? You know, because we can't do anything to stop whatever it is you want to do. So just leave us alone. But that's not what Jesus did. He told them to shut up and come out. And that is exactly what they did. Healings at Capernaum. Uh, we covered this in Mark chapter 1, verses uh, 29 through 34 in episode 192. And... Um, Got the key verse here, verse 39. It says, um, so this is Peter's uh, mother-in-law, and she was sick. Uh, so Jesus stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it, and it left her. She got up immediately and began to serve him. And so we see here that after Jesus has healed her, her immediate response is to serve him. And so that this is, this is a pattern. This is what we should do. Jesus meets our needs for something. You know, we should, uh, we should not forget what has been done for us. We should immediately Start to serve him. And then in verse 41, it says, Also demons were coming out of many, shouting and saying. So Jesus let the mother-in-law's house uh, went out and started casting out demons amongst the people. And demons were coming out of many, uh, shouting and saying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. And so <clears throat> Jesus, during this time, all the times when he would do things, he would tell people, don't say anything because he was working on the timetable and he did not want to violate that timetable. So he would uh, uh, mute the, the, the demons so that they wouldn't announce, announce that he was the Messiah because it wasn't time for him to be announced yet. So let's go on to chapter five. And it says the first disciples. 
And there are details here in Mark's account that are not found in Matthew, excuse me, there are details here in Luke's account that are not found in Matthew or in Mark uh, when Jesus came across, first came across the disciples. So we're going to go over this. And so the crowd was pressing against him, hearing him preach. And then so Jesus saw a couple of boats on the edge of the lake. And so he got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon. Simon is Peter. And asked him, so this is when he's first meeting him, and asked him uh, to, put out, um, to put out a little from the land. Uh, then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. So Peter doesn't know this is Jesus, and so he gets in the, Jesus gets in Peter's boat and goes out, and, and, and Jesus is preaching to the crowd, and I guess to Peter also from the boat. Verse 4, when he had, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, uh, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied. That's interesting. So Peter's just meeting Jesus now, but he refers to him as master. So there must, there had to be some kind of spirit-to-spirit communication between Jesus and Peter or Simon at this point for Simon to call him master, at least in my opinion. I don't know. Master, Simon replied. We worked hard all night, all night long and caught nothing. But if you say, but if you say so, I'll go, I'll let down the nets. Peter's like, Okay, we've been doing this all day and we caught nothing, but okay, I'll do what you say. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners uh, in the other boat uh, to come and help them. So there was another boat there also, that James and John were, they were also fishermen. And so he's calling them out, help, with the, uh, help us catch this fish. It says they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, because I am a sinful man, Lord. So Peter recognizes that the catch that they're experiencing is a supernatural thing. And so he's starting to attribute these things, to rightfully so, attribute these things that he's experiencing to Jesus. And and, and, and this is something that is a, a tremendous blessing. And so he's recognizing how blessed he is with this catch. And he's also recognizing how sinful he is. So he looks at Jesus and said, go away from me because I am a sinful man, Lord. I am not worthy to be in in your presence. (laughs) Has that ever happened to you with something so great that has happened to you that not necessarily from anything that you've done from your efforts or anything like that, but just something tremendous has come your way and you recognize I don't deserve this. And this feeling comes over you. Why is this happening to me? I, I don't deserve this. This is, I am unworthy of this. That's how Peter was feeling. It says in verse nine, for he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John Zebedee's sons who were Simon's partners. Don't be afraid. Jesus told Simon, from now on, you will be catching men, uh, people. And some uh, translations say, from now on, you will be fishing for men. <clears throat> a man cleansed. We see this in Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4 in episode 181. I've got the key verses is 13 and 16. It says, reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him, saying, I am willing to be made clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. So a man came to him and said, Lord, if you are willing can you make me clean? And Jesus says, I am willing. And so I believe that Jesus is saying that same thing to us. 
when we make our righteous petitions, you know, not unrighteous stuff, but things that we are eligible for in righteousness. And we make a sincere petition, Lord, if you are willing, can you see to it that so-and-so and such-and-such? And And I believe Jesus is telling us, I am willing. And then the issue becomes, what is our level of belief? What is our level of faith? And so in verse 16, it says, yet often he withdrew to deserted places, Uh, places and prayed. So we see that this was a pattern of Jesus. He would oftentimes and frequently withdraw from people, withdraw from crowds to a quiet place in order to commune with God. Again, I believe this is a pattern here. The Son of Man forgives and heals. We find this in Mark chapter 2 verses 1 through 12 in episode 192. We went over this. Key verses here are 18 through 19. It says, just then some men came carrying on a stretcher a man who was paralyzed. They tried to bring him in and set him down before him, before Jesus. So this guy's boys were carrying him. He was paralyzed. But in verse 19, since they could not find a way to bring him because of the crowd, it was so crowded they couldn't reach Jesus. They went up on the roof and lowered him on the stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. And so this shows, this demonstrates the persistence that this guy's boys had, you know, maybe they were just his boys or maybe they were his kin. I don't know, but it shows that their persistence, they were not easily deterred. And so they said, no, there's too many people here. There's gotta be another way. Let's go up. So they went up and dropped him down. And then Jesus says, your faith has made you well. You know, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has made you well. And because he had forgiven the sins, the Pharisees that were present there, they got indignant about it. Because from their perspective, only God could do that. And they were right, but they didn't connect Jesus to God. The call of Levi, verse 29, uh, Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13, episode 181. The key verses here, in my opinion, are verses 31 and 32. It says, Jesus replied to them, it is not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but uh, sinners to repentance. And so Jesus had called Levi, Matthew to come follow him. Matthew invited all of his tax collector friends to come over to to his house to dine where where Jesus was and some Pharisees and whatnot. And so Jesus started to essentially deliver the gospel to them. And the Pharisees were indignant because he was eating amongst sinners and tax collectors. And and so they questioned his disciples, why is he doing this? And this is when he says, you know, it's not the well who need a doctor, but the sick. A question about fasting. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 through 17, in episode 181, we went over this. Uh, Let's drop down to 38 and 34 for keys to this. It says, no new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and no one after drinking old wine wants new wine because he says the old wine is better. In other words, when we get used to the old ways, and so as he's coming proclaiming the gospel, this is a new thing to the people, you know, especially the Pharisees. And so they're used to the old ways. They don't want anything to do with the new ways. See, it says no one after drinking old wine, after uh, partaking of old wine, becoming used to old wine, uh, structuring the lifestyle around the old wine, nobody wants anything new when they've done that. Because he says the old is better. 
Jesus is coming, delivering a new covenant, a new way of doing things. No longer do we have the animal sacrifice system. No, no longer do you have to go through the high priest in order to atone for your sins and whatnot. For I am the eternal sacrifice. You come through me to get to God. All you have to do is acknowledge who I am. You see, so he's bringing a new covenant with new promises, new processes. And the folks used to the old didn't want to have anything to do with that. And so with that, we are finished uh, for today uh, with chapter five. We'll start Luke chapter uh, six tomorrow in the next episode. Uh, What's that episode? 199, I think it is. And uh, as always, the invitation goes out from Jesus. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, the word says that you shall not be put to shame and that you will be saved. And we thank God and praise the Lord Jesus Christ for giving us the opportunity to have our sins atoned for, to have our lives redeemed through the acknowledgement of who Jesus is. Take care, be blessed, stay safe, and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. We'll see you tomorrow should he not come back between now and then. Bye-bye.